I'm Sinead McClarty, and this is SEO in 2024 Additional Insights. Sinead, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2024? So my insight is that you, what you get out of SEO tools is a reflection of what you put into them. And to explain that a little bit, what I mean is SEO tools are absolutely wonderful and really useful, but our campaigns are, or the amount that we get out of them, whether that be the yield or how relevant the results that we get out of them are often because of what we put into them. And if you don't pay enough attention to what you're plugging into it, you might get a whole lot of irrelevant stuff come out of whatever search that you're putting into your tools. Or you might even get very little coming out of your tool. So you need to pay attention to what it is you're plugging in, what is successful and what is less successful and kind of make a strategy out of that before you just go headfirst into prospecting. Sounds good. Okay, so you started off by talking about um, various tools. Are you able to share a few tools that you're talking about? Sure. So obviously there is Majestic and their backlink tool. So if you were to use a backlink tool, making sure that you put in a site which has basically enough other sites pointing towards it, enough other relevant sites pointing towards it in order to get something good out of it. But then you also have other tools like Pitchbox, for example, where you can internally pull lists using different or prospecting lists using different methods and that can range from like backlinks again. It can be plugging in specific keywords. So just making sure that when you put things in, you're making a mental note of what's working and what's not to be able to have the best chance of having campaigns that go the distance and that you can work on for a good period of time. So how do you know that you're getting the optimum, the, the maximum out of these tools? I mean, do you set various goals and objectives in terms of what you want to achieve before using them? I mean, you can. However, I normally tend to measure my success in kind of a percentage, like not necessarily putting a number to it. But if I'm working my way through inspecting some opportunities and I'm seeing that one in every 20 are going through to a prospecting stage, then I might not try that method of prospecting again or look at why that isn't working. Whereas if it's one in every three or four, or even one in every two, I would see that as more effective. But obviously something else to bear in mind is if you're working towards any specific targets in terms of of like the amount of links that you want. It's a slippy slope with that, but making sure that basically whatever you pull is giving you enough of a yield for whatever your need is for that particular page or, yeah. <laughs> I love your specifics about one in 20 not being good and one in three being good in terms of getting through the, uh, to, to the prospecting stage. I, was, I would imagine that's Pitchbox that you're talking about there as well. Uh, how did you actually come up with those metrics? So for me, it's more of a time thing, just because when you're working your way through that list of trying to get things through to the personalization stage where you can start looking for contact, contacts, sorry. When you're working your way through that initial inspection to try and push those through, if you're working through this list, 
which you're only receiving one contact out of every 20 that are useful, you're going to spend roughly the same amount of time as if you're working one your way through one where one in every three are useful. And so you can literally look at the time that you spend on that particular list, say it takes you three hours to make your way through that list and see, well, I spent three hours on this and the all I got out of it was 20 viable prospects, which I'm not sure how many of those are going to get back to me. Or it's going to be a relatively low percentage of those who get back to me. Whereas if I have a higher yield to work from, there's going to be more that I got out of that time. And therefore, like from an efficiency perspective, it's going to be like a lot better for you. You'll feel like you're getting more out of it and you'll have more to offer to like your client in terms of the amount of prospects that you're able to reach out to. Understood. Okay, so you're basically going for the maximum number of viable project over a set period of time that you're investing yourself personally. Um, so so, so how, how do you actually increase that number? How do you maximise that number? You maximise that number by trying to go where your good links are gathered. It's something that I covered in my recent talk at Brighton SEO, where using Using Mean Girls as an example and the lunchroom tables that they have, going to specific sources and looking for all of the sites which have cited that specific source, whether it be a person's name or a URL, and finding sources which only the type of site that you're trying to reach out to are referencing. So, for instance, if you wanted to do a link building campaign putting forward this really useful online tool for food businesses, you might want to look at the backlinks of the Food Standards Agency because a lot of food businesses will link to the Food Standards Agency as a like a proof that they're following the rules, basically. So trying to find those types of sources so that it's all concentrated in one place rather than dispersed. Brilliant. Okay, so you're actually using Majestic as a tool? to identify the links that are pointing to a target domain name or URL and then using that information in Pitchbox to reach out to identify prospects? Yes. So you can do that within a Pitchbox. I find that sometimes the the pull of uh, prospects that you get is a little bit more limited. And also with tools like Majestic, you can go in and use filters within it to make it even more specific and basically cut out some of the less relevant prospects that you might see. And it's better to do that than rather than having to go through it, like visually see that a site is not suitable and then having to cut it out in that way. Okay, great. Uh, I, I love you know, being very specific in terms of um, different procedures and um, um, how you go about optimising what you do. And you also say examine why things are working and why things aren't. Um, so what are some other maybe examples of um, why things don't work and what you're actually doing to either try and tweak them so that they work better or maybe change them so that you do something else instead? So sometimes an example of something that 
isn't working is that you're reaching out to the wrong type of site for the type of campaign that you're running. For example, if you are trying to run a link building campaign, but the source that you're using in order to get your prospects is only providing you with loads of really high tier sites, you might struggle because journalists are time poor and therefore they like to be presented with a fully realized story or at least the data from a pretty much realized story so they can plug, take whatever it is out of that and then plug it into whichever story that they are going to be writing at the end of the day. And you kind of have to examine whether the type of outreach that you're doing is suitable for the type of site. Or another thing that might mean that you're less successful is that you are trying to pull this list of prospects as a business and you're just picking up a whole bunch of your competitors. It might be that you need to have a look at what you're plugging in to make sure that the intention that someone who would perhaps plug in that keyword aligns with the type of site that you would get from the results. Like for instance, if you're in e-commerce and you're selling apples, for for example, and you're looking, you research like Brayburn apples as a keyword, you might get a whole bunch of Brayburn apple sellers rather than people who are interested in writing about the benefits of eating Brayburn apples. So how do you identify people who are interested in uh, the benefits of eating Brayburn apples as that example? So for that example, you want to lead with something which is more of an informational keyword if you are using keywords like um, what are the benefits of Brayburn apples? What are the best ways to find a good Brayburn apple? Um, What colours should a Brayburn apple be before you are ready to eat it? like questions rather than just plugging in, for instance, a product of some sort, because that is likely to pull in a whole bunch of competitors. And where would you find those questions? Is it in, in something as simple as people also ask on Google? Yeah. One of the things I did cover in my talk as well is just being a little bit cautious with um, going with keywords, because after a long period of time, you do normally see the same results something that I would recommend in order to avoid that is like going with like the backlinks or sources or using like something very specific like a name of someone in order to be able like a notable figure within whichever industry it is in order to be able to kind of diversify some of the results that you're getting. Brilliant. Okay. And you also mentioned ensure that your outreach that you're doing is suitable for the site that you're targeting. Um, So maybe what's an example of um, great outreach that works effectively now? And perhaps to counter that, um, what's the style of outreach that you feel UCSU is doing that you you don't particularly like, you don't think is effective? It's a good question. So an example of great outreach to me, if you're talking about digital PR, being able to source like some unique data and like push that as part of a campaign, I think is a fantastic way to do an outreach campaign just because it's it's useful. Data, as long as it is relevant to the time period and the industry is always going to be useful. And then if you're talking about a link building campaign, one campaign which I think is particularly uh, effective is 
one where you reach out to certain sites and like basically make sure that you have a value proposition, make sure that you're offering them something. So whether that is by going to their site and saying, hi, I noticed that this piece of content that you have is specified for 2020 and we're now in 2023. Do you want me to update it for you for free? Or going to them and saying, I noticed that this source that you put in this high traffic article that you have is 404ing. I actually have something that works. Do you want me to send it over to you in order for you to replace it quickly? And then conversely, or in like the opposite of that, I think one type of campaign, which I wish I would like be altered or just like see less of is one where we reach out posing to pitch an article or an update to an article which already exists and is also already quite useful to the people who visit that site. I think sometimes there is a tendency for us to say this piece of content has worked on this site before and therefore if I pitch them this same type of content that it will be received well well, it already exists. So there's not really much value or incentive in order for it to be taken on board. And another one that I would also say is one which does not have a clear goal, one that says I'm an SEO and I can write you some great content. People are still time poor and you have to make a little bit more effort, guide them in the direction of what it is that you do, which is actually going to be helpful for them and spell it out. So there's less emailing and trying to figure things out. I love your examples there of, of doing things like turning headings of maybe 2022 into 2024 or um, identifying URLs that don't link properly now, the links that are broken certainly. In order to identify those sorts of opportunities, um, do you use tools to, to help you search out posts that perhaps um, contain old dates or URLs that don't work properly, links that don't work, work properly within articles? Sure, I do. And again, <laughs> Majestic is a tool that you can use to do this. But even if you like, are, for instance, a small business who doesn't have access to um, a lot of funding for tools, I don't necessarily want to leave you with the impression that that is not an option for you to be able to access as well. Using your search parameters, for example, you might be able to filter your search results in order to show you only results which have like 2020 or 2021 within the title. So Yes, I do, do use tools because it's easier for me to do so. However, that's not the only way that you have to do it. And I think it's quite important as well for SEO to be accessible to people who perhaps are not as knowledgeable on tools and how they work, because ultimately it's how your businesses get seen and how you make money. And I think, yeah, it's quite important to look out for small businesses as well and provide them with options. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2024. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2024? I think that in 2024, SEO shouldn't feel like every opportunity, which is high value, is for them. You have to make sure that it's relevant. 
I think that sometimes it is quite seductive, as you put it, to see a site which has really amazing metrics or a high amount of traffic going to it or good brand recognition to try and make yourself fit, make a subject that fits um, for whichever client that it is that you're working for and just get the link in there. I don't necessarily feel like that is the best practice, especially if by placing that link, you're ultimately not going to reach the type of people who would likely engage with that type of link. More important than that, I think, is making sure that you are going towards your relevant audience. So something that we've, like at Seeker, has been drilled into me from the very beginning is that even if a site has low metrics and it is really, really relevant, for instance, if you are working in the medical industry and a local doctor surgery wants to put a link to one of your pages onto its site and the site has like a traffic of 100, it's still really, really valuable to the people who access that doctor surgery locally. And also it's really relevant. And I still feel like that is an incredibly valuable trust signal, even if the traffic is low. So don't purely be led by metrics. What is valuable is what is relevant to the people who will actually be able to use it. Sinead McClarty is digital PR specialist at Seeker Digital, and you can find her over at seeker.digital. Sinead, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2024. Thank you. I've been your host, David Bain. You've been listening to an episode of SEO in 2024, Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2024 podcast, video series, and book. Find out more at seoin2024.com. Hold up. 